You're listening to The Takeaway from WNYC and PRI Public Radio International in collaboration with the BBC World Service, The New York Times, and WGBH Radio Boston. Hey, you want that to go? So our first takeout, news unclear. Spectacle, it certainly will be. But the health care reform summit for six hours in Washington, convened by the White House, in the middle of a snowstorm, will it get anything done? That's really the question. And if you take a House Minority Leader John Boehner as a guide, well... Uh, I don't see any reason to allow the president to have a six-hour infomercial about his bill. And I have no problems going down there and pointing out what I believe the flaws in his bill are and outlining what we think are common sense steps to make our system work better. Will they get anything done? Well, we thought we would ask former co-host of The Takeaway and uh, currently White House Washington correspondent, or uh, Takeaway Washington correspondent Todd Zwillick, uh, who's back in the Capitol just in time for a snowstorm, whether they will get anything done in this summit. Good morning, Todd. Welcome back, John. Thank you very much. Thanks for filling in. Sure thing. Oh, it was a pleasure. I had a great time, by the way. Hi, Celeste. Hi, Todd. <laughs> so, John, the question, will they get anything done? I mean, from, from the sounds of John Boehner right there, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they will. There are no signs going into this health care summit that there's going to be any form of substantive negotiation on a new plan going on. You know, earlier in the week, we said, we, we said that the White House introduced a new plan, sort of a, a plan by the president uh, that really tilts heavily towards, towards the Senate bill. And Republicans don't like that bill either. So while John Boehner says Republicans are, you know, they're calling this an infomotional and coming in really to point out the flaws in the president's plan, at the same time, Democrats are formulating a legislative strategy on their own, which is going to alienate Republicans even more. It's called reconciliation, and the bottom line is they can they can try to pass the president's sort of new bill with no Republican support whatsoever. You bypass the filibuster. It's not the first time it, 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 it's ever been done. It's not unheard of, but it's not bipartisan. And it's the last. It's the furthest thing from bipartisan. And and it seems like a very. I mean, it's been talked about a lot, but as an actual threat, leveraging this. Uh, summit into some sort of actual, uh, uh, you know, meaningful debate. I think that's uh, kind of unclear. But you'll be there, right, Todd? Uh, well, it's pooled. It's pooled coverage, so yeah. none of us will be in the room. But I'll be glued to the TV. All right, Todd Zwillick, Washington correspondent for the Takeaway, talking about the healthcare summit convening in a couple of hours in Washington. Our next takeout comes from the Winter Olympics in Vancouver, Canada. Amidst some foggy, snowy conditions yesterday, disaster on the ski slopes, at least for the Americans. Oh, that looks Lindsay Vaughn. Right in the center of that gate. Looked like she caught an edge and rockets into the fencing down there. That was NBC's broadcast of Lindsey Vaughn crashing during the giant slalom. Not only did she end up with a broken finger, but her crash also disrupted her teammate, Julia Mancuso's run. Here to, to explain is Jason Stallman from our partner, The New York Times. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. First of all, how did Lindsay crash? Uh, just a really strange scene up at Whistler. Um, you know, she ha- she was having a great run on the giant slalom, but the conditions were just treacherous, really foggy, snow blowing all over the place. Um, she was having a strong run about two-thirds of the way through, about 150 yards from the finish line. Um, her left ski just kind of uh, came out from under her, and, and she went down pretty hard, slid into the um, into the fencing around the course, and she was out. And clearly that was a problem for her run, but how did it affect uh, Julia Mancuso's run? Yeah, really unusual turn of events. What happened was because the course officials were trying to expedite the race, uh, they let Mancuso start before Vaughn was finished. That's somewhat un- uncommon. Um, so Vaughn, or Mancuso had started her run. They had to wave the yellow flag about halfway down, 
and take her up on a snowmobile back to do a rerun, is what they call it, and she was distraught. She was really, really emotionally upset because she knew that the conditions were only getting worse, and she wanted to get her run in as soon as possible. She ended up finishing 18th off that first run. That's too bad. But we also we had news not just in uh, skiing yesterday, but in hockey as well. Both the U.S. and Canadian teams have advanced to the semifinals. Boy, did they. Uh, I should probably apologize up front if there's too much background noise here because my hotel happens to be on Robson Street, the heart of downtown Vancouver. And I don't know, what is it, 10, 12 hours after the Canada-Russia game, there's still hundreds, if not thousands, of people celebrating out on Robson. It's a pretty nutty scene here. They treated it like a gold medal game. It really does seem like Canada just won a gold in hockey after destroying Russia 7-3. to Meanwhile, the United States gets past Switzerland in a really close game. They won 2 nothing. So Canada and the United States on to the semifinals. Pretty exciting. Thanks so much, Jason. Jason Stallman is the Olympics editor for our partner, the New York Times. And now a sports takeout that's not from Vancouver and the Olympics. The NCAA has sent a letter to the University of Michigan accusing it of major rule violations. Among the charges, Michigan is accused of making its athletes practice more than the requisite eight hours a week. Here to tell us more is Takeaway Sports contributor Ibrahim Abdul-Mateen. Ibrahim, we talked about this issue a little bit uh, a few months ago when the, it broke that they were actually looking into the program at Michigan. Uh, Michigan said then that they knew <clears throat> they had made some mistakes. The NCAA launched an investigation. Have they decided whether or not these were honest mistakes or intentional violations? Well, I think what they concluded... Um, sports teams, college sports teams are supposed to release how much they're practicing and keep track of those numbers. <clears throat> and so what they've done is that they've they've not kept track of those numbers. So they're supposed to do an internal audit, and the NCAA is supposed to take those numbers and be able to say, are they practicing too much? Or are they practicing too little? What Michigan did apparently is essentially Rick Sanchez, Rick, um, Rich Rodriguez, who's the coach of the Michigan team, he has no control over his program. For some strange reason, they're not able to get a accurate account of how much practice those players are going through, and that's what's the issue here. Well, that that's certainly not the only violation they were accused of, but what's really kind of interesting is that when this finally comes down and they settle it, it could be just as the football season is starting for this storied football program. This is the, the winningest football program in history, and the, really the key here is that football players go through an incredible amount of practice outside of the, the normal season. This essentially puts them in the glare, you're right, right as they're starting the season. And the question here is, once again, does Rick Rich Rodriguez have control over his football program, or is, are they going to just be flailing in the wind? That's a good question. Takeaway sports contributor Ibrahim Abdul-Mateen. NYC Now delivers the most up-to-date local news from WNYC and Gothamist every morning, midday, and evening. With three updates a day, listeners get breaking news, top headlines, and in-depth coverage from across New York City. By sponsoring programming like NYC Now, you'll reach our community of dedicated listeners with premium messaging and an uncluttered audio experience. Visit sponsorship.wnyc.org to get in touch and find out more.